I could partake of food with you. I could partake of worship and, and communion just like we did. And I told the Lord, I said, I, f- I feel empty. The sanctuary was empty. It was quiet. I said, I feel empty. And he said, well, that's your fault. <laughs> and I heard that. And you know how you are when the Lord is kind of um, wanting to show you something? Even though you know it, you didn't know it, or you weren't acting upon it. You were thinking that way at that time. And so I said, well, what do you mean <clears throat> it's my fault? He says, because doesn't my word say when you come into my house, you don't come into my house with empty hands? He said, when you come into my house, you come in with your hands full. <clears throat> it's talking about an action. It's talking about what we do in our life. And that you are sitting in your living room and you're watching us live now and those in Ghana, all the leaders, we welcome you. You've made a decision to be a part of our lives and we're excited about being a part of your lives and one day we will come and see you. But I want to say to you is, I said, well, what do you mean now, even though I've taught on this, what do you mean coming in with hands that are full? He said, you are missing the hugs of your brothers and sisters. He said, have you come in with hugs in this place? I'm here. He said, have you come in to this place with something in your hands to do? Have you come in this place with your tithe? Have you come in this place at times with your offering? When you had an offering, all you did is is you either put it in the mail slot or or you gave it to Nolan, or you, you, you know, did whatever. <clears throat> Why don't you wait and come in here and bring it to me and let me bless you in a unique way and show you how I'm blessing you? And I said, wow. He says, he says and also, you have done a great job teaching on giving. You've done a great job about uh, any type of topics in the Word of God because you follow what my Holy Spirit has asked you to teach on. But why don't you create a church? Why don't you create an atmosphere at Valley Community Church where people come in with full hands? That you're not having to stand up and giving announcements all the time. You're not having to stand up and talk about tithe and offering all the time. But why don't you just use those boxes that you're using because of COVID Why don't you use those boxes and let everybody know that when you come to church, you don't come in with empty hands. You come in with your gifts to touch others, to teach others, to confirm others of who they are as a brother and sister, as a son or a daughter of me. Why don't you teach your people to come in and with their tithe, each time they enter into this building, with something in their hands to give? Why don't you teach them to give love? Why don't you teach them to do that? Well, I, you know, God is a pastor. I, I've been teaching that, and they know that. I said, well, yeah, but it needs to be a practice. It needs to be something that you do. So I believe the Lord has confirmed in my spirit, even through COVID and situations with COVID, is that we're no longer are going to get up and make announcements. There will be times we might have a live video or things like that, 
and, and say something about something that's going on in the church. But what I'm asking you to do is coming in with full your hands, come in with your Bibles, come in with your iPads, come in with your iPhones or, or whatever you use, smartphones, and have your scripture ready. Have your phone, get, get the, you know, the empty notes. We're not going to give the full notes like we did before. Uh, you can go to and get a PDF on that uh, on the internet. But what we're going to do after the service and what we're going to do is we're going to really create an atmosphere where we come in, run in with a heart filled with the Word of God, waiting to hear the Word of God and to begin vo vocal uh, agreement in the Word of God and write down notes that, the God, that God speaks to me. Because <clears throat> did you know that I can speak on a subject, but God can speak to you and tailing off in something that's going on in your life. Not one person in this house that will come in with full hands giving that it will not be given back to you spiritually, physically, financially, in every area of your life. And so we're creating an atmosphere at Valley Community Church and all that are watching, if you're not part of our church, we welcome for you to come. But let me just say this to you. If you go to another church, that's great. But don't go to your church sanctuary or church home, wherever you go. Don't you dare go there with empty hands. You go there as a blessing, as a giver, kingdom lifestyle person, giving to the Lord. And so after that little conversation with the Lord, or may I say, um, little correction to your pastor, that I am so passionate about this, I'm expecting the tithe to go up, I'm expecting giving to go up, I'm expecting love to go up, I'm expecting uh, kindness to go up, I'm expecting encouragement to go up, I'm expecting all that to go up. Why? Because we are living a kingdom lifestyle and we're going to do what God has said. Can you agree with me by applauding? Amen. Well, just a little caveat, it's Super Bowl Sunday, and I know all of you have all your plans and what you're going to do, and I know who I'm rooting for, and after service, if you want to ask me, I'll tell you, but I want to show you victory that we have in redemption. I love the songs that we sang, one of them we, we wrote, our fine arts department, and I want you to understand that God is saying something very peculiar, very unique to you and me at Valley Community Church. I know that because he's speaking to me with uniqueness. It is, I'm hearing God in a different way. And with that, I'm able to bring it to you in a little bit different way. We've been teaching on living a kingdom lifestyle. And today, as we talk again about the benefits living this kingdom lifestyle, I want to talk to you about the benefit of absolute change. Not one thing can hinder you from becoming everything God called you to be because he already did the work for it. In Psalm 103, let's read it again, beginning with verse 1. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. 
Bless the Lord, O my soul, telling your soul, get in line to your spirit and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquities. Nothing from the past can hold you. No family curse that was there can stop you because you have victory over that. Who heals all your diseases, speaking of physical maladies. Verse 4 is what we want to talk about. Who redeems your life from destruction. Now, I'm going to dig deep. I'm going to talk doctrinal. I'm going to dig deep into this, and you're going to hear things that are things that you, you learn in, in Bible college, seminary, wherever, the depth of God's Word and the truth that's going to set you free in this area of destruction because God, Jesus, God the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, redeems our life from destruction. So let's look at the word redeem. The word redeem, the Hebrew word here, is gael, gael. It refers to a person. It refers to a person who is gael. In other words, it's describing who this person is. So this means the person is the closest relative to you with the ability to redeem you or your property, to redeem you or your property. We're going to find out what that means. Now, Gael is the only one who, speaking of a person, who can redeem your life from destruction. It's not anything you do, say, or accomplish in your life. It is Gael. It is the Redeemer who redeems your life from destruction. He is the only one who can redeem your family. He is the only one who can redeem your finances. He is the only one who can redeem your health. Whatever destruction has wanted to come against you in 2020, God himself, Gael, Jesus Christ, can redeem and will redeem you. Gael is called in Scripture, watch this, the near kinsman redeemer. The near kinsman redeemer. The closest to you, that secret place, that time you spend with him. The word redeem literally means to buy back, to buy you back. Why to buy you back? Because in the beginning, Jesus is the original owner. Jesus is the near kinsman redeemer. Jesus is the closest to you relative and is the only one that had the right of redemption. We're going to learn what that is in a moment. We're talking about the benefits of living a kingdom lifestyle. So here's the explanation. Because of the sin of Adam, we are all born into bondage or enslaved by sin. We were born a sinner having the wrong nature. In other words, we were born with a nature that could do opposite or go opposite of God 
That's why we needed a redeemer, and Jesus Christ is Gael to us. We will show that in Scripture. We'll show you in prophecy today. You and I had to have a near kinsman redeemer to come and buy us back. That is the reason for the cross. Now, very interesting that the word destruction is also translated pit, a pit. It is speaking of hell. You are redeemed, bought back out of hell. The meaning is Jesus, our near kinsman, bought us back from going to hell. So many people live their lives, many people who don't attend church, that they're afraid of going to hell because they don't understand that we have a near kinsman redeemer. His name is Jesus Christ, who has delivered us from sin. We've covered that in verse 3. The meaning is Jesus is our near kinsman. So we have been redeemed from eternal separation from God because of our near kinsman redeemer. You are not, you confess Jesus Christ as Lord, you are redeemed back into relationship with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. So now, let's begin to dig a little bit deeper and find out what does it mean to be redeemed. The benefit of redemption. What does it mean for you and I to live a life of redemption? See, what God is going to do because we come in with full hands, God is going to begin to bring people that are lost, that don't understand what I'm teaching you today. I am preparing you for evangelism. I'm preparing you to have full hands wherever you go. Wherever you go, you will have an answer of the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world. We will become world changers because everywhere we go, everybody we talk to, will be, the words will be bathed with, with the gospel of Jesus Christ. You and I no longer will sit and be spectators. We will be those that are gifted in full hands doing the work of the ministry. And so let me show you three things about redemption. First of all, it's being redeemed gives dominion. Many of you through 2020 have thought you lost dominion, have thought that things were just not going to where how you were praying. And I want to tell you, you have dominion, not because of what you're experiencing, of what you experience, is because Jesus Christ is your Redeemer. So the first thing Jesus did was bought us back. And at the same time, the dominion manifested itself in us. So turn your Bibles, turn your iPads to Ruth chapter 4, Hold on to that, because we're going to get to that later, because I'm going to just, like a song, I'm going to sing to you the message that God has given me today. It's going to go, it's going to correlate together, you're going to see it. Um, At first, you're going to go, wow, 
This is deep. And then all of a sudden, I'm going to give you another thing. And you're going to begin. It's going to open up. The Holy Spirit is going to open you up into this truth. And you are now going to walk out of here totally satisfied with the things that God has done for you. So Ruth chapter 4. And then now turn your Bibles to Jeremiah chapter 32. Chapter 32, and I'm going to read you um, three prophetic pictures of redemption. In Jeremiah 32, verse 6, beginning with verse 6, it says, And Jeremiah said, The word of the Lord came to me, saying, Behold, Hanamel, the son of Shalom, your uncle, will come to you, saying, Buy my field, which is in Anathoth. For the right of redemption, look at that word, for the right of redemption is yours to buy it. Notice the right of redemption. Notice also what we're talking about. Redemption means buy back. Jesus went and bought us back. Verse 8, then Hanamel, my uncle's son, came to me in the court of the prison according to the word of the Lord and said to me, please buy my field that is in Anathoth, which is in the country of Benjamin, for the right of inheritance is yours, and the redemption yours. Notice now the right of inheritance, and the redemption yours. Buy it for yourself. Then I knew that this was the word of the Lord. So now we have the right of redemption, and then now the right of inheritance. Hang on to those words. Verse 9. So I bought the field from Hanamel, the son of my uncle who was in Anathoth, and weighed out to him the money, 17 shekels of silver. And I signed the deed. Now it's talking about deeds. And I signed the deed and sealed it. Now we have a sealed deed took witnesses, and weighed the money on the scales. But notice, now we're going to see a sealed deed and an open deed. We're talking about redemption. Jesus coming to this earth, going to the cross, shedding his blood, taking stripes on his back, redeeming us back, buying us back. Keep that thought in your head. Verse 12. And I gave the purchase deed to Baruch, the son of Neriah, son of Messiah, in the presence of Hanamel, my uncle's son. And in the presence of the witnesses who signed the purchase deed before all the Jews who sat in the court of the prison. Then I charged Baruch before them, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, the God of Valley Community Church. Take these deeds, both this purchase deed, which is sealed, and this deed, which is open, and put them in an earthen vessel that they may last many days. For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, houses and fields and vineyards shall be possessed again in this land. So let me give you now history of what's happening now. Jeremiah the prophet has been put in jail 
for his proclamations. They go to Jeremiah. Jeremiah gets a word from the Lord that they're going to come to him to purchase this property. At this time, Nebuchadnezzar and the Chaldeans were just about to take Israel into captivity. The reason why is they did not let their land rest. So Israel was going to be in captivity for 70 years. You find that in the vision and the dream of Daniel. And so in this passage, what God is saying through what he told Jeremiah to do is don't worry, Israel, I will bring you back into the land. You will have dominion again into this land. So God says, buy these fields because I want the people to know I will bring you back into your land. So here's a question. Jeremiah's in prison. Why would someone in prison buy property? Again, I want to say it again because I want you to see it. It is a prophetic picture. God was going to redeem them and you and me. That God was going to redeem them and you and me. So let's go over this again, all right? I want you to just just really grab a hold of this. There were two rights, the right of redemption and the right of inheritance. We're talking about living a kingdom lifestyle. We're talking about the benefits that you receive living in this lifestyle. So the word here is talking about two rights, a right that you and I have, the right of redemption and the right of inheritance. There are two deeds in the benefits, a sealed deed and an open deed. Now in Israel at the time, there were two things that could be sold or redeemed, land and people. You could sell your land or sell yourself and be set free after 50 years, which is the year of Jubilee. We're going to go to another story of where God tells a prophet to marry a prostitute. And we're going to see that story uh, come to pass and what God has done for you and me. So here it is. If I sell my property... For 30 years, 50 years of of the the Jubilee, every 50th year, 30 years till it returns, someone pays for the property an open deed (laughs) because they're not the original owner for 30 years. Now, after 15 years as the original owner, if I want to buy it back, I must pay them the 15 years that are left because I have the right of redemption to buy it back. Okay, now now stay with me. Here is the difference between the right of redemption and the right of inheritance. If my father owns land, I have the right of inheritance 
if something happens to him. My dad has a living sibling in the day, this day, that it would always go to the next brother, all right? So my dad has a living sibling, my uncle. He has the right of redemption, but the right of redemption is for what? If my dad died, my uncle had the right of redemption to buy the land back for my mother. So it was the, the duty of the oldest brother of my father to make sure that the property is to be bought back for my mother. Now, if my uncle died, my brother, who is three years older than me, who was older, has the right of redemption and the right of inheritance. Okay? Right of redemption to buy back for my mother, but also the right of inheritance when something happened to my mother. All right, so Jeremiah, in the scheme of things, is in jail. God speaks to him, and Jeremiah had both rights, both rights of redemption and inheritance, according to what I just explained to you. So here's a question now. Who had the right of redemption and the right of inheritance for us? Jesus Christ, our Savior. God's first begotten Son. Now stick with me because I'm going to show you how that, what, how that works and what that means for you and me. Our Lord and Savior had the right of redemption because there's no uncle, and he had the right of inheritance. He's the only begotten son. So when did Jesus get us back is the question. The answer is the year of Jubilee. You will never look at Luke chapter 4 the same. Luke chapter 4 says his first sermon, he says, this is the year of Jubilee. Jesus Christ, his ministry began, and he proclaimed the year of Jubilee. And he wasn't just talking about property he was talking about the plan of God, the deeds, the inheritance. It all belongs to him, the only begotten son, and it is a year of jubilee. Everyone will be freed from whatever held them back. So read Luke chapter 4 after Super Bowl. Verse 21, he said, Today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearts. Let me tell you what is fulfilled in your heart, the acceptable year of the Lord, the year of Jubilee. Today, it is fulfilled in your heart. If you have confessed Jesus Christ as Lord, your redemption, today, it is the acceptable year of the Lord. You are free from anything that has held you back in sin because you have been bought back. Jesus wanted to inherit us because it was his right. Because why? The original owner. 
He wants to redeem us. That's why the cross. He had to buy us back. So let's talk about the open deed and the sealed deed. These deeds will show you dominion and how we get dominion back. You don't be, get dominion back because you're perfect. You don't get dominion back because you're good looking, even though you are. Here's the explanation. Every time a property is sold, the original owner, they would put the name of the buyer on the open deed. But the original owners kept the sealed deed. The buyer would put their name on the open deed, but the original owner would have its name on the sealed deed. And it would be never opened. But if sold, always put the new name on the open deed. The year of Jubilee. So the question who is the original owner of the world? The answer is the Creator. God is. Psalm 24 1 says, The earth is the Lord's and all its fullness, the world and those who dwell therein. So the land and the people belong to God. I belong to God. Today, God owns everything you have, too. So I can't walk around and say, look what I've done. Look what I own. It's God's. Everything is God's. That's why you come with full hands. Because why? Because God has given it to you, and you come in to show that what God has done for you by giving back to the original owner. So you don't own yourself. The earth is God's. You are God's. So in that, now, what does the open and sealed deed represent spiritually? What does that do for me spiritually? God gave the open deed to Adam. Read Genesis. He, he created the earth, created man, and said, this is yours. Open deed. Adam, through sin, lost it. See, God is always, God never lost it. It's always his. But we're talking about the open deed. So when Satan tempted Jesus, he showed Jesus all the world and said, it's mine, you can have it if you will jump off. Did you notice in that scripture that Jesus didn't argue with him? Because of the open deed. Through sin, Satan had the open deed. Here's the good news, though. Guess who kept the sealed deed? The original owner. We're talking about buying back redemption. We're talking about how we can walk in this authority and dominion. It's because we will find we've been redeemed, we have the right of redemption, and we have the right of inheritance. Revelations 5, 1 through 5. Watch this. And I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll written inside and on the back, sealed with seven seals. Then I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, who is worthy to open the scroll and to loose its seals? In other words, a sealed 
deed. And no one in heaven or on the earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look at it. So I wept much because no one was found worthy to open and read the scroll or to look at it. But one of the elders said to me, do not weep. Behold, the lion. Oh, this is awesome. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, Jesus, has prevailed to open the scroll and to loose its seven seals because he went to the cross and he shed his blood and he has redeemed us. So Jesus, for three days, (laughs) marches in hell, remember that scripture? And told Satan, give me the deed, I am buying it back. So Jesus got all the property and the people. Now, look at Ephesians chapter 4, beginning with verse 7. But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, he says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. Now this he ascended, what does it mean? But that he also first descended into the lower parts or hell. He who descended is also the one who ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. Remember the word of the Lord to Jeremiah? That's what he was saying to Israel, and that's what he's saying to us. That he might fill all things. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. Now I'm just going to stop there for a second. The church has been confused. Because the church is looking for prophets all over the world to speak to them when the church should have the prophets in the body of Christ that they, they serve in, that they attend. And that's what we have. We have that. We have the fivefold ministry in this church. That's where you get the true word, the word of truth from God, not from everybody that says they're prophets. And there are too many people that are running around, listening to prophets and making every decision in their life based on someone they don't know. And I'm not against those that have been proven prophets and listening to them. But we need to understand, we need to be a church that is strong, that is going to go out and preach the gospel, but have the truth every single time we come to pass because the five-fold pulpit office is running in a well way. And this year, God is restoring that in a greater way. I'm saying greater because we've already done it, but greater way to Valley Community Church. Are you with me? For the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Till we all come to the unity, notice the world uses this word, of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man, to the measure of stature of the fullness of Christ. Jesus got the deed, open deed back. We got dominion back It is a benefit because in Revelation it tells us that it is a proven thing that the sealed deed was open and the original owner was God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And the only begotten Son died 
made us part of the family of God, and now we have the right of redemption, and we have the right of inheritance. Here's a second reason. To redeem is a marriage. I ask you to turn to Ruth. Go ahead and go there, Ruth chapter 4. Now Boaz went up to the gate and sat down there, and behold, the close relative of whom Boaz had spoken came by. So Boaz said, notice, close relative, come aside, friend, sit down here. So he came aside and sat down, and he took 10 men of the elders of the city and said, sit down here. So they sat down. Then he said to the close relative, Naomi, who has come back from the country of Moab, sold the piece of land which belonged to our brother Elimelech. And I thought to inform you, saying, buy it back in the presence of the inhabitants and the elders of my people. If you will redeem it, redeem it. But if you will not redeem it, then tell me that I may know, for there is no one but you to redeem it, and I am next after you. Remember the explanation I gave you? And he said, I will redeem it. Boaz has the right of redemption. So verse 5, Boaz then brings up inheritance. Because let me tell you, this is, this is a, a love story. He's after someone. And he is, he is not tricking, but he is talking to them of getting permission to have the right of inheritance. Sounds like Jesus with us. Then Boaz said, on the day you buy the field from the, the land of the hand of Naomi, you must also buy it from Ruth in the Moabitess, the wife of the dead, to perpetuate the name of the dead through his inheritance. And the close relative said, I cannot redeem it for myself, lest I ruin my own inheritance. You redeem my right of redemption for yourself, for I cannot redeem it. So in other words, he bought it back. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, stay there. It says, for you were bought at a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, living a kingdom lifestyle, which are God's. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 23. You were bought at a price. Do not become slaves to men. Do not think any otherwise. Do not go back to the old life. Do not go back to condemnation. You are born again. You are a child of God. You are a son or a daughter of God. You have been redeemed. And you have the right of inheritance. You are owned by God. And here's the good news. God not only bought you back, then he married you. He proposed to you to give you an ability of inheritance. Will you accept me? Yes. I believe in my heart and confess with my mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. You've accepted the proposal. Your inheritance is being in him and eternity is in his kingdom. That's not all. Come on, stay with me. I know we're going deep here. All right, Boaz and Ruth, again, is a love story. Boaz pursued Ruth. And this is a prophetic picture of Jesus pursuing you from the very first time that man sinned. Remember the prophetic picture? In Genesis, that Jesus says, I'm coming back. I'm going to get you. So Adam gave the open deed to Satan. 
Jesus had his eye on you and pursued you. How many of you can give a testimony today that you rejected, 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 and then all of a sudden you knew he wasn't giving up and finally you accepted his proposal? Because you are his daily delight. All those watching by screen, Jesus, you are his daily delight. He loves you. Accept the proposal. He paid the price, and he proposed to you. Here's the third meaning of redemption, and we'll close with this. Redemption means commitment. If you study the word, it means a commitment, a commitment to something. So the question is, how committed is Jesus to the marriage? Now I'm going to say this. If you haven't accepted Jesus Christ, you can today. Jesus paid for your sin, and he is proposing. He's got on his knee. Matter of fact, he was crucified. He's proposing to you. He redeems your life from destruction, the pit or the trap the enemy has set. Redeem is not past tense either. He continues to give you all the benefits of redemption. It's a love story. He's continuing to pursue you, to love you. So all of God's benefits are for today and for tomorrow. Past, present, and future. Now, if you read the book of Hosea, I'm going to ask you to do that after the Super Bowl. If you read the book of Hosea, here is the story. God told Hosea to marry a prostitute. God tells Hosea to, to do this to show us his commitment to us. The story is to show you and me today how committed he is to you and me. Now, when he married the prostitute, they had three children together. And after several years of being a wife and a mother, she leaves him. You see the prophetic picture? She went back into slavery prostitution. What is that? They would use her, abuse her, sexually in every which way. And literally, they would buy her and own her. And they would literally, because of the actions and the decision that she made of rejecting Hosea, the picture of us rejecting God, it destroyed her life. And she lived a life, not of kingdom lifestyle, but of in the pit. At that time, they would sell a person like that for three to five dollars. They would buy her, use her, and resell her. They would buy her, use her, and resell her. Now at the next auction, Hosea goes. And she is standing on the block because they're selling her again. A voice from the back answers the question of the person giving the auction. Who would want to buy this woman? And the voice from the back of the auction block yells, $2,000! He gave everything he had. Hosea spends $2,000 to buy her back. 
She rejected him, left him, used of many, many men. Hosea walks up, pays the money. takes the chains off her feet, handcuffs off her wrists, gets down on one knee and says, will you marry me? Because he had the right of redemption, he also had the right of inheritance. Will you come home? I have given you everything. That's what Jesus did for us. That's what redemption, to be redeemed, means. We are redeemed, and you and I, living a kingdom lifestyle in Christ, old things are passed away, all things have become new in our spirit. We now have an inheritance from God. All of heaven belongs to him, but now has been given to us so that we can live this life of perfectness from him. And any time we mess up, any time we make wrong decisions, redemption is a constant look of Hosea buying his wife back. And because of that, no matter how bad we were, what we've done, past, present, or future, to be redeemed, his forgiveness is always there. All we have to do is accept that. If we sin, we confess with our mouth our sin. And we say, Father, forgive me. And redemption cleans it as it's never happened. You and I are a child of the King. And we can live this life. No matter what has gone on, 2020, 2021, what has happened in your past, what people have told you, what people have taught that is wrong doctrine, your God is still pursuing you and will always make a way, like in a marriage, that I'm to create the best of my ability. Do I fail at times? Yes. An atmosphere for my wife so that she can succeed in what God's called her to do. That's what God does with you. Only you have to choose to accept it and live it out. Shall we stand?